and welcome back to a very special episode of ABC Movie Show. My name is Bo Allen. My name is Jacob Rodier. And we have just so much great stuff this week. I mean, we got the Oscar noms. We have our second guest. We're talking about one of the funniest movies ever made. This is a great week to be listening to this show. Yeah, we got some exciting stuff planned. I mean, every week is a great week to be listening to this <laughs> show, but particularly right now. So, uh, the uh, it, this is the season. I think we. T- this is what we've been talking about, especially very recently. This is this is what we do it for. This is what we make movies for. I mean, some would say we make movies for personal gratification of art that people have been striving their entire lives to make. But in the in the end of the day, it's for the golden statues. That's what this is all about, baby. Well, um, I highly disagree with that. But, uh, <laughs> okay, I'm I'm kidding. Um, but it is fun to talk about, and it's it's always fun oh, yeah. to put movies up against each other. And I am very I'm pretty happy with what we got this year in terms of nominations. I don't know if I'm happy, but I'm content. It's pretty much what I expected, so I'm very content with it. Well, happy in terms of the Academy is pretty much just content. That's, yeah. Yeah. I am not actively outraged. I don't think if I'll, I'll ever be happy with the nominations ever, but content, yeah. This year has well, been pretty content. I'm not upset or angry, so it's a good thing. As soon as you realize Tenet, or uh, not Tenet, I don't know why I went Tenet there. Titan wasn't probably wasn't going to get best picture <laughs> after it didn't even, not even get best into the foreign, foreign film. Yeah, oh. you were going to be upset no matter what. Yeah, um, but I mean, I'm pretty satisfied with I. I like uh, I like most of these movies. The ones that I have seen, I've seen a lot of the performances and a lot of people that I really liked got nominated. I think a couple people got gypped, and we'll get to that in a second. But for the most part, they got it. I think they got it right. Like, you know, in terms of talking about what we need to be talking about, this is kind of jumping uh, ahead. But like Drive My Car being nominated for Best Picture, I I was more recently seeing buzz that it probably wasn't going to get it, which was surprising to me because I haven't seen it yet. But it's been genuinely, generally extremely well received, but only critically. And the Oscars does take into account fan reaction and audience reaction and it hasn't been released anywhere in the u.s it's definitely released in the u.s it's in my theater right now for the past week it's not here well i i follow them on twitter and there's about like a hundred cities they listed that it's playing so it's definitely playing around the country right now but are people going to see it um i don't know about that I i didn't check box office but the audience reception is really good people like love this movie from the, Letterbox and IMDb and all that and social, right? But what I'm saying is like it is not it. It's not as big as like a licorice pizza by any means. I don't know because I feel like licorice pizza didn't do well at box office either. But it was at least talked about. It, this says drive my car gets talked about a lot. But but I feel like this. What I'm saying is. I feel like that is strictly in our circles. Like you have to realize we're in an echo chamber of film discussion. Right. I'll hear my buddies who aren't as into this stuff still talking about like they'll like they'll talk about, you know, a King Richard or a Nightmare Alley. Definitely a Dune, Licorice Pizza, because these are people that like Power of the Dog has the Netflix advantage. Drive My Car is a Japanese film 
that until recently was not in triple digit cities. It was it, it very recently was just in like 70. And we we I we have trouble getting out of I think our like Okay, film that's fair. That's brain. fair. Yeah, but that's in terms but the Oscars are in that echo chamber. Like that's what they look at when they when they talk about the Oscars, especially they, for campaigning. Right. You're right. But what I'm saying is they also take into account this mass like massive fan pushes and these media circuits like there's a reason um people were buzzing like there there's think about this why would people be saying spider-man no way home might actually get a nomination but drive my car probably wasn't well it's because the most popular movie in the world versus an indie movie so it accounts for something usually people think of oscars as oh it's just indie movies but really it's not there is one massive sci-fi blockbuster a comedy film here that released on netflix a biopic about two of the most famous people in the world um a remake a bu- most popular remake of all a time. remake yeah um a guillermo del toro picture who is by now a pretty common name and another netflix film like they take into account popularity more than i think think we give them credit for like when moonlight beat la la land it's moonlight wasn't it was an indie picture and it was a small film but it was massively talked about especially before the oscars because of the massive pressure on they put out for it. Uh, oh no i think i disagree with that i think it was massively popular after the fact i don't think I don't many people think. have heard of moonlight before it i disagree with that parasite i think is a good example of that moonlight i don't think so no, I think the opposite. I thought Parasite was talked about a lot before, and Moonlight was I, not at all. I didn't hear about Parasite until the nom. Interesting. I don't know, man. We get, we're just in different circles, I guess. You're you're well, yeah, but I I'm trying to the the point of the, and the point of this podcast I think is to not necessarily cater to the film brain people. It's kind of trying to spread the love around a little bit more. So I feel like maybe that's what I look at more. But I do know a lot of critics that I follow have been saying, like when they put out the stuff that they thought was going to get nominated, Drive My Car was on the, I want this to be, but I don't think it will be. Because yeah, yeah. Th- I'm not arguing. hour foreign film. I'm not arguing the fact that this wasn't a surprise. I just think it, it still was a very popular movie. This definitely was a surprise that it, it made it past the foreign film category. A great surprise. All right. Well, we have other things to get to. Well, we can argue this at a later time. We got a we got a long list of things to get to, so I'm going to kind of hurry us along here. Let's start with actor in a leading role for this nomination. We had Javier Bardem being the Ricardos, Benedict Cumberbatch, The Power of the Dog, Andrew Garfield, Tick Tick Boom, Will Smith, King Richard, Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Uh, were there any surprises here, and was there anybody you felt got left off? Um, I don't think any surprises. I think this is what most people expected um i've only seen two out of the five of these movies um but denzel washington which i saw was amazing and cumberbatch was great and power of the dog mm-hmm. um but yeah this was pretty much expected i thought i think garfield was a given will smith is definitely a given uh bardem i guess i guess is a given i don't know being ricardo's just seems like That's such the- like an oscar bait film like i guess it was a given i don't know um, that was the only one that I did not see a lot of predictions for. Javier? Yes. Mm-hmm. 
like here. I'm pulling up the uh, variety uh, predictions. Like they did, uh, they do. They put out massive lists of what they thought would be nominated and stuff. And so their best actor uh, predictor. Oh, it did have Javier Bardem. I saw another one though that had actually Leo for Don't Look Up in it, and just uh, it's. Uh, the Javier Bardem thing is something that I think people was iffy on. I saw Bradley Cooper, Nightmare Alley. There was a big push mm. there. Um, that's the only spot I think that pe- they, the Academy could have taken or leave left taken or leaving. Is that? I don't know. They could have t- took it or left it. Whatever. <laughs> but um, I, that's the only one of those. Well, that. Oh, I guess I've only seen Power of the Dog and Tick Tick Boom on this list. Oops. That's the only one I was shocked by. I guess I'm going to have to watch Being the Ricardos now because they're kind of all over this. Um, I totally expected that, and I'm still not going to watch it. So. <laughs> I feel like I have to. All right. Um, actor in a supporting role. We had Kiaren, Ciaran Hines. There's an accent on that A. I don't know. I'm, I'm a little scared of that accent. For Belfast. Troy Kotzer for Coda. Jesse Plemons in The Power of the Dog. J.K. Simmons being the Ricardos and Cody Smith McPhee power the dog. I will say, did not see two power the dog noms there coming. I, I thought it was only I thought it was gonna be one or the other. I didn't think both of them would get it. Yeah, I thought the same thing too. Um, I've seen four out of the five of these. Um, Belfast, I didn't care for, so I didn't really care for him. Um, Troy Kotzer for Coda I was not expecting that that was a big surprise and he was incredible in that movie so I really hope he can maybe snag a win but I doubt it and also I think I read he's the first deaf actor to ever get nominated um, which is incredible so props to him Um, so just looking at like you know these the media predictions that I had before this um, Troy Kotzer Kotzer was on two of them. I'm looking at Sean Fennessy's and Varieties right now. He was on those two. But uh, Ben Affleck for The Tinder Bar was on the Variety one. Not a movie I saw, but I thought that was an interesting addition they had there. They kicked out uh, Jesse Plemons and uh, J.K. Simmons to get that one. And, mm. and then another one that I saw – that I saw. This was on Sean Fennessy's and Varieties, and one that I thought we might actually get was Bradley Cooper for Licorice Pizza, just because that is, in, I I don't know. I don't think he's in enough of it to actually get that supporting actor yeah. nom. But if he had been in just a little bit more, I think I would have been a little. I, I would have been more upset because he is fantastic in what he's in. Yeah, he's great, but yeah, just like you said, he's not in it enough to get a nom. It's just he's in it for very little of the film. And he's, I guess he's a supporting actor, but he's just like a cameo almost. Like, it's just yeah. so small, his role. Um, so I don't think he deserves a nom. But uh, one that was left off, but I expected, was um, Masaki Okada, who was in Drive My Car. He was, like, the best character in that movie, in my opinion. Um, and he definitely deserved really? a nom. Um, I am about to... Get on my, I'm getting on my soapbox now. This is one that Sean Fennessy had that I had in my top performances by a supporting actor. I've tweeted about this probably 50 times now and texted you 
late into the night, very upset about it. Jared Leto <laughs> for House of Gucci deserved it. He did. Look, look, listen. I get it. I get what people don't like about it, but that's the point. Like, it, it the performance is the joke, and it's perfect. I get it, but when have the Oscars ever nominated like that type of character? I I don't know, but why not, man? It's one of the best performances of the year. He's so good in that movie, and he definitely does not deserve the damn Razzie. Okay, he kind of does, but he also deserves the Oscar. I don't think... Nah. He was close to the best, but definitely one of the funniest performances of the year. Which is what he was trying to do. So if he did his job at the best he like the maximum he could, why not? Yeah, but this is best supporting actor, not funniest supporting actor. So, but he was the like he was so go watch House Gucci again and tell me you're not transfixed by the art that Jared Leto is putting on that <laughs> in in that movie. He is acting his ass off. He is chewing the scenery. He is just going for it. He's putting his heart out there. This is the role he was born to play. All right. Are we done? <laughs> done Everybody stream 30 seconds to Mars. <laughs> I'm not in the cult. Um, I do like Jared Leto as an actor. I do not care for his music. I will not be going to visit the cult grounds anytime soon. All right. Let's move on to actress in a leading role, unless you got any last supporting actor thoughts. Mm, no. Alrighty then, we're going to go on to actress in a leading role now, and we have Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman for The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz for Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being The Ricardos, and Kristen Stewart Spencer. I have only seen one of these, but I plan on watching The Eyes of Tammy Faye soon, because I heard Andrew Garfield's good in it, and I'm going to have to watch being The Ricardos, and you've been yelling at me to watch Spencer for like three months now, so I'll get to that. Yeah, I've only seen two, two. Yep, two out of the five of these. Um, Olivia Coleman is great in The Lost Daughter. Kristen Stewart is literally gave the best performance of anyone this year. She just knocked it out of the park and definitely deserves this win. So I really hope she gets it. Um, no, no shame on the other people nominated, but Kristen Stewart was just unreal and incredible. So she deserves it. Uh, Lady Gaga snub. Eh, I didn't care for her in that. <sighs> In that just, movie. You don't understand good. I good don't care films. that she wrote thirty pages over thirty page essay on her character to play this film. When I found out like Sydney Sweeney was writing entire like novels about her characters, that made Lady Gaga's thing a little less impressive. Have you ever heard that? Sydney Sweeney does that? Yes, dude. She's like a genius. <laughs> I don't think writing essays makes you a genius. But. No, she's right. She writes novels on her characters. She also like fixes up cars and like does all this crazy shit. It's weird. <laughs> okay, it's I think genius is a little stuff. too far of a word there, but yeah, that's cool. You know what I mean? She's a very smart person. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, Kristen Stewart all the way here for me. Yeah, look, hang on, I'm looking this up right now because it's. She said she creates separate books for each of her characters which are interactive diaries, timelines, memory books, pictures of the character's entire world from when the character was born to the first page of the script. She's also a trained MMA fighter and, like, fixes up cars. <laughs> when I see shit like this about celebrities, especially celebrities near my age, it makes me feel so bad about myself because where the hell do they find the time for this? She's 24 years old writing entire books about characters she plays and fixing cars. Yeah, it's like a hobby. I have hobbies. This is my only hobby. 
I guess I read a bunch. If I read less, I'd probably have more time. You're into sports. You have hobbies. I'm into sports. Movies are my only hobby, but now that's becoming—it's <laughs> becoming more work. <laughs> um, it's being relatable. I, I got one more. I got one more snub. Annabelle Wallace snub? Question mark. And she's uh, Madison and Malignant. Oh. Um. Yeah, I guess it's a snub. That's <laughs> my performance of the year. <laughs> that is my absolute performance of the she year. She did but give I, an incredible performance. So good. Legend. Um, I did love Naomi Rapace and Lamb. I thought she was really good in that. I still haven't seen Lamb. Lamb was really great. Um, I don't know if it's Oscar worthy, but it was it was really good, and she gave a great performance in that. She um, was I'm acting just... with animals, and she did an incredible job. So, props to her. Uh, somebody who was not snubbed was Amy Adams for Woman in the Window. <laughs> uh, li- listen, I'm an Amy she got Adams a Razzie, fan. Right? She did get a Razzie. I love Amy Adams, one of my favorites in the business. But Jesus fucking Christ, she's terrible in that movie. I hate that movie. I hope, I hope it wins the freaking Razzie. <laughs> um, uh, I will also, say one. What? Oh, sorry. No, you go, go ahead. ahead. Um, one person that I thought might actually get some recognition here was uh, what's her name? Uh, Renate Rinsve, the worst person in the world. Rinsve. Mm. Renate. Renate Rins. I'm. We we got to stay away from these foreign pronunciations, man. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> seems like the Oscars kind of just push drive my car in any category other than foreign and kind of left the other ones just for foreign. So the, the lack of like, like Renate Rinsve, Rinsve, Jesus, the lack of in the actor character, actor character, Jesus, <laughs> actor categories and actress categories, um, having these foreign performances in it really made me think that draft my car wasn't going to get the nod for best picture, you know, cause I, I like drive my car had no actor worst person in the world had no actor or actress right well yeah and also we just we rarely see yeah. any any um other category any foreign movie in any other category than foreign best foreign picture we rarely see that ever um oh, i guess that's right yeah so i wasn't really expecting it for anything and when it does appear it's great um it's yeah. usually just best picture but yeah, it's great that we got multiple ones for Drive My Car. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm also giving a shout-out to – I'm probably not pronouncing this right either. Um, <sighs> Agath Roselle, who was um, Titan. She was the lead in Titan. Oh, yeah. She gave that a great That was a really good one. Mm-hmm. But Jesus Christ, scary. <laughs> um, I'm going down my list right now of stuff that I have seen this year, and there's not a whole lot I'm feeling like got left off. that I th- – think unfortunately we just did not get to a lot of movies with strong female leads like on the, at least the things we viewed right yeah that weren't already nominated i mean yeah um i would say alana Haim, if anything oh fuck i can't believe i forgot i was looking at licorice pizza at the top of my list yeah i'm actually mad about that i'm mad i am upset that is she was so freaking good yeah, I, I mean, guess. it's her debut acting performance, and she did a, a great job. Right, and I think she deserved some recognition. She better be like that sixth spot 
that like she's outside looking in. She better be. I think I deserve I'm, some recognition from this board. No. Do you get that reference? I got you. <laughs> but I'm pissed. I'm pissed. That is, if I had an Academy vote, it's going straight to her. God. Disappointing. All right. Moving along. Keeping it pushing. Got things to do. Actress in a supporting role. Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. Judy Dench, Belfast. Kirsten Dunst, Power of the Dog. And then Anjanu Elise, King Richard. Any shockers um, here? I've seen four out of the five of these. I've not seen King Richard. Um, Jesse Buckley was definitely a shock. Um, congrats to her because she's a great actress. But this might be a hot take, but I like Dakota Johnson's performance way better than Jesse Buckley's in this movie. So that's what I was about to get to. Did Dakota Johnson get the snub right here? Because my first thought was that like she is the second lead was my entire first thought. Yeah. And yeah, I just think Dakota gave a way better performance than Jesse. Jesse was, was great, but Dakota just got knocked it out of the park. Um, I did love Jesse Buckley's performance and I'm thinking of ending things, which I, th- I think was yeah. this year. Oh. I think it was early what? this year. I'm thinking of ending things. Yeah. No, 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 no. That's 2020. It was 2020. Okay. That was 2020. Um, but even said she was incredible in that movie. Um, so Ooh. I'm happy she's getting a nom here, even though I don't think she had the best performance in that movie. Yeah, I mean Dakota Johnson is second build when you look at it. Oh Je- yeah. Jesse Jesse Buckley's third. She is amazing. She should have gotten it for. I'm thinking of ending things. Like really, like oh my god, that movie was a trip. Mm-hmm. But. And I can't, and I have to imagine it was stressful to film, but oh, yeah. I'm just happy that w- uh, one of a, the great up and coming actresses is already getting a nom this early. Is Judy Dench good in Belfast? It's tough because <laughs> I, I didn't care for the movie, so I wasn't invested in the characters, so I didn't really care for the characters. So I I couldn't really tell if they were like good performances because nothing was good to me in that movie but like judy dench is never bad no she wasn't no there was no performance i thought was bad it's just the the movie and the story didn't serve to these characters so i i don't think any of them were other better than good that makes sense do we think this is probably a way too early oscar prediction but do we think this is going to be the judy dench glenn close hillbilly elegy award you know, you know what I'm saying. Like they're just gonna give it to Judy Dench just because. Give it to the give it to the old person that everybody loves. Out of this bunch, I don't know. I could see Kristen Dunst getting it. I think she gave the best performance out of these character out of these um, actresses. Really, really good. Yeah, really, really good. Um, um, I don't know. Maybe I could, I could, I could definitely see it, and I wouldn't be shocked. But yeah, well, Judy Dench already has an Oscar for Shakespeare in Love. Um, mm-hmm. The thing with Glenn Close, the reason we everybody thought that she was going to get it last year is because Glenn Close hasn't won one yet, and you know she's one of the great actresses, you know, of of our time. But um, she had never gotten that Oscar. Who did it go to last year? I remember I was I was really watching that award. Supporting. No leading. Oh, I remember because everybody. Wait, yeah, supporting. Sorry. I don't uh, remember supporting. Yu Yu Jung Yoon. From Minari. Oh, right. Because yeah. I remember I was screaming to high heaven that it 
could go to literally anybody but Glenn Close. Olivia Coleman, Yu Jung Yoon, or Amanda Seafried. Maria Bakalova for Borat. I'm you know, I'm okay on that one. Mm-hmm. She doesn't need to get that. But particularly I wanted the grandmother from Minari to get it. Yeah. And I'm so happy she did. Glenn Close, Hillville L A G Stinker. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I forgot bit. to mention that I think deserves um an acting nom. Uh, it doesn't matter what you think about the movie, but there's great acting. Is Zendaya and Malcolm and Marie? She was incredible in that movie, and so was um, David Washington too. Um, the movie itself was eh, but their acting was great. Um, mm. So yeah, I think that's kind of a, a low key snob, even though it's not talked about much. I have not seen it. Um. Oh, also for actress, I forgot to mention Rachel Sinet and Shiva Baby. I thought she gave an incredible performance. I'm not cut up with that one either. Isn't um Malcolm and Marie? That's not the one where they're. It's like they're in the lockdown or whatever, right? What's that one? They're in the lockdown. They filmed it like, during lockdown. I know they filmed it during lockdown, but there's one like about a couple in COVID lockdown. I mean, this movie takes place in one location in their house. Film during lockdown, minimal crew. Right. But. COVID no. is not mentioned in this movie. Right. It is a movie literally about a couple. During, it, it's something. It's something that came out around the same time as Malcolm and Marie. I'm, I'm no, it's not Malcolm and Marie, Marie though. Marie, movie about a couple. Oh, you're lockdown. talking about the Sodenberg movie? Did he do one then? You I did. think it's called It's Together. Sharon Horgan and James McAvoy. Stephen Daldry and Dennis Kelly wrote it. Yes, it is about a lockdown. Yeah. That's probably what you're talking about. Yeah. Fuck movies that like that that came out during the pandemic. I don't care. I don't care. I lived through it. I don't want to see it. All right. Moving on to directing. <laughs> um, we have Drive My Car by... Re- uh, Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Did I get it? Ryusuke Hamaguchi. Mm -hmm. Sweet. Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, Power of the Dog, Jane Campion, West Side Story, Steven Spielberg, and Jacob's favorite of the year, Belfast, directed (laughs) by Kenneth Branagh. Yeah, get Kenneth the fuck out of there. I'm sorry, man. So there's a snub here. Do you want to yell about it for a minute? Um... Not really. <laughs> I'll, I'll yell about it. Man, leaving off Denis Villeneuve for Dune. Yeah. Literally one of the most gorgeous movies of the year. One of the most well-acted, well-coordinated, hardest-to-execute, fucking massive in scope, most cohesive, perfect storytelling films that that came out this year, which all of that stems from directing, and it was left off. Yeah, the thing is, is it's just it should be illegal for a movie to get nominated in all these technical categories and even acting and best picture and not get nominated for directing. Like it has, I think, 10 nominations total and one of them's not directing. How can you tell me the director did not do a good job when it gets nominated for 10 other categories? That makes no sense. It all starts with the directing. Literally, he makes every decision in that movie. It's, like if I feel like if editing and cinematography get it, then you have to get a directing, right? I mean, I guess and production design, like, but like the director has final say on all that stuff. 
he costume. It, it was his and, vision. Literally, this whole movie right. was his vision from the start. And you can you you can like he talked about it so much in press that he put so much effort into this movie just to get it made, and that Writing, he had so much passion. Screenplay. Yeah, and like you you don't give it to Villeneuve over fucking Kenneth for Belfast. Like, come on, man. I, Kenneth is not the one who's gonna get the boot there. What do you think? Um, I just know that the Academy loves Kenneth. Um, if I had to guess, Rizuki? they're kicking. Yeah, they're kicking the foreign film out of there. Yeah, because you know they're not touching PTA. You know they're not touching Steven Spielberg. They no, 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 not allowed. Mm-hmm. And then Power of the Dog, like that's one of the best looking movies that came out this year, and especially with how like so I guess socially relevant it is. Like not oh, Campion deserves it. Yeah, not to discount how great of a story it is, but like also like this is the type of like a gay cowboy thing. Is and they love Campion thing. too. She's one in the, the past. Academy, yeah, and it's something that the Academy is going to eat up though. And that's not to discount the film. I love it, but it's not getting touched. Mm-hmm. It's got to be the foreign film. Yeah, that does make the most sense. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm just on my Belfast hate train, so I want that out of there. Like looking at all these. Oh, well, wow. Hang on. What am I? Oh, wow. I'm looking at a, at this list that Sean Finnessy put out. He thought Drive My Car was going to get it. Power of the Dog was going to get it. Belfast Liquor's Pe- Belfast was going to get it. Liquor's Pizza was going to get it. Dune was going to get it. He didn't have Spielberg. That's your first mistake. Yeah, never Spielberg never was a leave given. off Spielberg. But Sp- yes. it's interesting because Spielberg kind of had the same exact, um, I guess, passion's the right word as Villeneuve for Dune. Right. Like they both cared. They both each cared about their stories so much and put so much effort into like getting it made and uh, putting so much like passion into it and like caring for the original as well. And it's insane that. I mean, it makes sense that Spielberg got it, but, like, come on. Um, all right, I'm going to actually pocket this West Side Story conversation in a second for Best Picture. All right, let's move on to Best Picture right now, actually. Uh, our nominees for Best Picture this year are Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, Power of the Dog, West Side Story and Jacob's favorite Belfast. <laughs> I was gonna say you skipped uh, the first one. You went out that quarter. I started uh, holding it for the last one, so I could say <laughs> Jacob's favorite and b- give it a big finish. Um, not shocked by any of these. Uh, I think. No, I think this was the most predictable category. In recent weeks, um, I think I kind of knew that Don't Look Up was going to get that spot. Um, mm-hmm. Which is weird. It's just, it's another thing, you know, it's very socially relevant. And, and I think it has a really good chance of winning, too. I, that would be something that would make people talk. Man, people fucking hate this movie. Uh, I think audience members hate it. and I Yes, but that's uh, what I'm saying. Like, But I also think it's because it's very politically driven in one direction. And that could take so. off the other side very much and it's, it's that that tends to happen with like political satires um i'm pulling up the predictions right now um, for me for me out of these li- i think this is a great list um i'm really happy drive my car got in there um coda is a nice surprise even though i was on a bunch of prediction lists i, d- I didn't think it would get it um overall uh, obviously i'm happy dune got in there um overall i think it's gonna go to don't look up because um, really? 
I do think because th- recently the Oscars have been choosing like very like not super political movies, but they've been choosing like very like progressive um, and political movies in the past, like Spotlight <laughs> One, Moonlight, um, Twelve Years a Slave, like Nomadland. I think it, it hits that a little bit. Yeah, Nomadland, sure. Um, but yeah, they've been choosing those type of movies. And yeah, Don't Look Up is a little more aggressive in that space. Um, but I still think, especially like um, with the cast it's had, um, just how it's most talked about, like it's very popular. Um, I don't know. I think it, it does have a good chance. But I'm, I'm back and forth between that and The Power of the Dog. I think The Power of the Dog also has a very good chance of winning. Um, I think that's been the most talked about prediction as well, besides Don't Look Up. I don't know. I, I don't. I don't think. I, I just don't feel like Don't Look Up can get it. Not because of the discourse around it. Not because it's a comedy. I just don't see it as as good as the rest of these movies. And I know the Oscars. You're right. Does like to make these political statements. And the, I think you know global warming would be, and like this insane division that there is between everybody is a good would be a good stance for them to make. Obviously. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I I feel like based off of 11 nominations, it could go to The Power of the Dog. It feels slept on to me. Uh, that, no, that's, I, what, that's I, what I just said. I think The Power of the Dog oh, is next up. Really? Yeah. I, I, I was not listening. I was <laughs> I was looking up something. I'm sorry. That's late <laughs> what I said. I said, I, was, <laughs> I said, besides Don't Look Up, I think The Power of the Dog has the biggest chance of winning this. Well, <laughs> I was when you said the thing about like the most recent – Winners have been political. I was like, yeah, yeah, you're right. I was like chasing <laughs> after it like a dog with a bone, trying to go find what the most recent winners were, and um, I got very distracted. Um, I but see what, and this is just. I think the power know, of the dog is their safest choice. This is complete speculation at this point because even now I think it's way too early to pick winners because there's still press tours to go on. You know, there's like. We're about to get big pushes from all this stuff. Sure. Um, Belfast is something that I saw was an early favorite, and I know you're mm. very upset about that, and you can't see it in any other light but your blind hatred. <laughs> but I haven't seen this movie. I've seen a lot of talk about this as the be- as like the best picture winner. I can because- see it. <laughs> Literally, I would be happy with any of these films winning. Like happy well, that they won, except for Belfast, the only the one. Reason- <laughs> I'd literally be happy. I would not be like content or whatever. I would be happy of any of these winning except Belfast. The reason Belfast would be the winner, and I don't care if it's Belfast, Belfast. I'm just going to say Belfast. The reason that would be the winner, I think, and it's been chosen is this, is because it is the most safe. It is the most Oscar baity. And I, I'm just going off trailers. It's the most Oscar baity film there is because yeah, you got to remember if you pick power of the dog there's a crowd that's going to be upset that they oh they chose it just because it's gay people if you do drive my car oh they're just going to choose all the foreign films from now on like parasite coda oh we got to make it about disabled people king richard obviously oh it's going to be about black people like you can't the all of these have some charge around them and will make it look like they're taking a stance so either they're gonna i think either they go in the maximum direction and be like we're gonna choose the clearly politically powered movie and make this like the hill that we're on or we're gonna choose belfast and we're gonna have another oscar bait black and white picture and you're all gonna deal with it 
Do you see what I mean? Yeah. I hope I'm wrong, but do you see what I mean? Yes, but I, I do agree with that. But also, I think the power of the dog is just as safe of a choice as Belfast because um, one, it got like I think the best critically received out of all of these. One, um, two, I feel like it's it's won the most like best picture awards and yes. other ones. Um, and three. The, the same thing happened last year with Nomadland. Like, Nomadland was one of the best critically received. It won Best Picture at a lot of other rewards, and then it won Best Picture at the Oscars. So I feel like the, if they do the same thing they did last year, The Power of the Dog is, like, a, a safe and a reasonable choice. What am I thinking of last year? There was, like, a brief second where we thought Nomadland might not win it and something else was going to sneak, sneak up and take it. I mean, I personally uh, wanted Sound of Metal, but obviously that was not going to happen. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at this list. There was nothing else that was, was going to get it. Yeah. I was like the one person standing in the corner, like banging on like a, a tin drum, yelling, choose bank. Choose bank. <laughs> I mean, last um, year was just such a blur. Yeah. Last year was pretty weak. Honestly, like it's, these are good movies, but nothing that I'm really like, ah, yeah, this movie rules. I mean, even like the ceremony itself is just oh. meh. Boy, just we can, t- we'll talk about that ceremony again. We'll like, I think we, I want to do like a revisitation of it this year. Because there were so many things that went wrong, and boy, <laughs> that ending. I don't want to, like, jump jump on our next pod. I don't want to step on what we're about to Dude, do. Dude, almost as iconic as the mess up of La La Land and Moonlight. <laughs> oh, man. Anthony oh, Hopkins, got... man. Woo. Mm, Jesus Christ, that was such a rough moment. <laughs> um, do we have any outside shot? At my at my baby, my favorite movie of the year, Licorice Pizza. No. Getting No. You don't think the not Academy? A sh- not a chance, but I do think they have a great chance for director. I think PTA, he has a good I think chance it, of I think they get screenplay. Yeah, I could see screenplay as well. Original? I think they get original. Because mm-hmm. I think it's definitely the best written for of sure. the year. Um, but uh, I, I hope it gets directed too. It's, if Dune's not there, Dune would be my number one for I director. I mean, I think Campion's going to get it, but I do think PTA has a good chance too. Um, Dune, Dune would be my number one for director, but like the number one I'm cheering for and the one that I would have thought would win it. But now I'm putting my entire force behind licorice pizza. Um, and then there's no shot for my other, my other favorite son, Nightmare Alley, unfortunately. No, no shot, unfortunately, but I'm glad it's on there. I think that was a surprise. I was not expecting that to be on the list. I am too. I want more people to see that movie. I'm in like a, a group message. Um, it's still like a, playing at my theater in black and white. Right, I, I'm I'm in like this group me of just a bunch of my friends, and they've added more people, and it's just a movie chat pretty much. And it's not huge film nerds like you and me, but that's where like as soon as somebody answers a question, like I jump on it, and I'm like, watch this really weird movie. Like <laughs> you should watch. Like everybody watch Titan right now and tell me what they think about it in five paragraph essays. And so today somebody was like should I watch Nightmare Alley? And somebody immediately goes, no, terrible movie. And I go, fuck the haters, watch it. I'm going to go see it again in black and white. It rules. Like, I was like, Guillermo del Toro, Bradley Cooper, Willem Dafoe being really weird. How could it be bad? How? I totally get why people don't like it. It's a slow movie. I mean, it is, but like, it's fucking interesting. And it's so, it's just cool as shit to look at. Yeah, but not that many people would be interested. But I'm glad it got a nom because I think it deserves it. 
oh, I want people to watch it and take in the <laughs> beauty that is Guillermo del Toro. Uh, do you have any shout outs, uh, snubs in general of just like movies that got um, totally yeah, left out? I don't want to step on, on your, on your, on your corner here, but I think the green Knight and the last duel not being yeah. on there is pretty upsetting. I don't know. Like you watched said, the last duel recently, right? I did. And it's really, really good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's Told hard you, because it, it's hard because I don't know where they would go. And I don't know who I would kick off. Jodie Comer definitely should have been nominated for actress. I, I forgot to mention that. Oh yeah. Damn. You're right. I totally, totally forgot. Um, it's just it. I don't know where it would go. It's, like, I, who do you kick off the actress? The problem with that is I haven't seen any of yeah, these movies. Yeah, I can't say because I haven't seen them all. And that's that's why we need to be able to make this a full time thing so we can see all <laughs> these movies and actually have good opinions. But like cinematography, we were talking about Green Knight needs to be on there. I don't really know what you take off of this one. Maybe. West Side Story is the only one yeah. that I could see. I'd take off West Side. But once again, that's a movie with Steven Spielberg's name attached to it, and the Academy's not going to touch that. It's funny. Um, what you previously mentioned about watching all these movies is, I don't know if you know this, but the Academy, um, if you're an Academy member, I guess, or you're in the voting uh, committee. Sorry, committee. Sorry, what word I was right. looking for. Um it's well known that a lot of the committee does not watch all these movies. I'm it's, sure it's they a good known thing. And it's funny because Kristen Dunst came out. I guess she was, she's part of the committee. So she like votes, um, obviously not for the category she's nominated in, but, right. um, she said, she got asked like, um, have you seen all these movies or something along those lines? And she was like, Oh no. She was like, she was talking about like, uh, a movie or a performance that she liked in another movie. And she, she, she literally said, like, straight up as, like, a jab to the rest of the committee. She's like, um, yeah, I think this person should win because I've seen all the movies. And she gave the best performance. Like, she made it <laughs> – she, like, like emphasized, like, I've seen all these movies. Like, she knows that, pe- like, the committee doesn't even, like, watch all these movies, which is devastating. Yeah. But it just is what it is. See, and here's the thing. I th- I I get that it's hard to do this, and I'm sure not everybody – Yeah on the committee has time. Cause even if you're working in the film industry, like you're working on your own shit. Exactly. I, I would like to hope that if you haven't seen something, you abstain from voting on that person to be a part of something. But obviously it's a lot of backroom deals and popularity contests. And that's why we don't always have the best stuff nominated. But, um, I think with this year looking at it, it's a, a, a very good decisions were made. A lot of these look like coin tosses that probably come down to some studios having a little bit more money than others. But then again, we get really small films like uh, Parallel Mothers. Was that big? I, I haven't mm-hmm. seen it promoted at all. Like I've seen it in a bunch of a lot of movies and theaters, but not really promoted on like social media that much. So like, yeah, we're still getting these small little nods that I don't think we really figured we would get so i'm pretty happy all around i will say something that made my jaw drop literally i was shocked when this came on because i was watching it live and texting you updates while you were at work i said costume design comes up and house of gucci is not on there (laughs) i was like that's their that is what they are getting they were like we are we are gonna make a trashy movie and we're gonna win the oscar for costume design 
I feel like hair and makeup over anything. That got it though. That I think that got it. That did get it. Yeah. The makeup and hair is great, but dude, like just getting to dress up in Gucci shit for <laughs> you know, 3 months on production like Yeah, but it's also I don't feel like it's that hard of a job because they already kind of knew what they were supposed to wear. Like the costume designer's job is not that hard because they're just put on what they are, wore in real life, you know. Mm. Whatever. <laughs> like she did a great job at being accurate, but there's no like creativeness in it. So mm. I'm just upset that Cyrano got a fucking Oscar nomination because, God, all right, whatever. All right, we we are going to take a second, and we are going to bring in our guest to talk about The Alchemist's new short film. All right, we are welcoming to the pod our good friend Trey Alexander Fox, a member of the Album Book Club Extended Universe. Fox, do you want to give us a little introduction about yourself? Yeah, man. First off, appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, y'all are doing great stuff in the podcast space, so I appreciate it. A uh, little bit of background about me. Um, born and raised in New Jersey, uh, the southern part of the state. Um, 28 years old, uh, recently turned 28 uh, last December. Um, yeah, so I have a political science um I went to school for political science and I have a journalism background as well. It's got my master's degree. So now I'm just, uh, you know, writing constantly and trying to expand. So definitely appreciate this opportunity as well. Trying to do as much as I can. Of course, man. And uh, we are, we had you come on to talk about the Alchemist's new short film. Uh, It's called cycles and, Mm -hmm. You reached out to me actually to talk about this, and because you're a big fan of the Alchemist, right? Right. You're. We met through the Album Book Club music chat, and we're always talking about music there. And Trey is always the first person to let us know when something's going on with the Alchemist. Um, so Jacob and I, I mean, I listen to music when the Alchemist puts it out, but I don't think I'm as familiar with it. Uh, as you are and i'm gonna speak for jacob and say he isn't really either so i'm gonna be honest i mean i'm i'm very familiar with the alchemist well the, probably no, i love his music but right. not this short film right that's what i was getting to is like we're big we're fans of the music but outside of that i don't know very much about him so what in the well, actually, world I, is this i do know a lot about him just because you i just, watch you know <laughs> <laughs> no but this is a side note that i don't know if you'll mention but I love the show. Fuck that's delicious. The action Bronson and Alchemist. Oh yeah, appearance on that, and so you oh, get yeah, a little bit of his personality on there. So right. that's right. That's where I mostly know him from, besides his music. All right, Fox. I'm gonna be honest. Jacob and I have watched a lot of movies this year. We didn't really understand this one. <laughs> I got you. Uh, so you kind of wanted me to talk about yeah. it a little bit and then talk about the short film. Well, yeah. What'd you think of it? Yeah. What are your thoughts on the short film? Like, what's what it what like what if what even is it? It seems to be his music overlaid with a bunch of randomly strewn together clips. Yeah, so he he's worked with the uh, director before in the past, mm-hmm. uh, Jason Jason Goldwatch. Right. Um, which he's had a pretty cool story as well. Like he's he's worked with all kind of legendary acts like Kid Cudi. The Roots, Lincoln Park. Like he's worked with so many different 
high level people. Mm-hmm. So he's pretty like well respected in his space. Um, I didn't know much about him until this came out because, like you guys said, I'm a pretty big pretty big Alchemist fan. So whatever he puts out, I'm kind of usually try to invest in. And so I kind of took it upon myself to learn a little bit more about the guy he you know worked with on the process. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, what's your favorite Alchemist uh, produced track? I guess. Or an Alchemist song. Project. Let's do stuff. Project. Let's... Sure. Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> you got a project? His universe is so expansive. I think when it's all said and done, I think Karam might end up on top. His uh, produced project with uh, Armin Hammer from last year. Mm. Oh, yeah. That one's really struck a chord with me. And I've, yeah, I've listened to that one a ton. But um, he's, he's one of those guys with, he's so, he has so much variety to him. It's kind of hard to pick one album, but right. if I have to pick one, I think I'm going to go with that one. Yeah. Um, he has a very diverse portfolio and especially recently too, when he's working with all these new artists as well. That's one thing I, well, one of the things I really respect about him, well, one, his work ethic, like he's been in the game so long, mm-hmm. but like he works like he's, you know, he's still got, you know what I mean? He's still like kind of climbing. Like he, he works like a, you know, 20 something guy who's trying to make it in the business. So I kind of respect his, I've always respected his work, his work ethic. Um, and yeah, I, I also appreciate that he's kind of willing to occupy, occupy two different spaces. Like he works with the old heads <laughs> that ABC clowns me with <laughs> for, for listening to, <laughs> <laughs> but he also listens to the young guys like, you know, uh, you know, Mavi and mm-hmm. Pink Sufu and, you know, Boldy and all those guys. So, that's kind of like some of the stuff that draws me to his work. Um, so in terms of his work, where does this short film fit into it? I think it's kind of like, I guess like a continuation, like he's done, mm-hmm. he's done short films in the past. Like he okay. had one in 2018 for his uh, EP called uh, bread. Um, but he's, you know, I think he's trying to venture into short films a little bit, or he's trying to venture into scores in general a little bit more, which I think he has a capability of doing. I think Cycles is really well produced, and I think it kind of it kind of stands alone on its own too. Like I, while I enjoy the short film, I still listen to the music on its own. Like, and he made the music. He made the music specifically for the short film, right? Right. Yeah, I think the same thing as you. Like when I definitely when I was watching this and listening to it, I, I could totally see Alchemist like scoring like an actual short film or, or like a feature film even in the future. He definitely has that capability. For sure. Um, um yeah, go uh, ahead. A uh, a film led by Alchemist would be, I think, what just one of the most interestingly scored films we've ever seen. It makes me think about I, I feel like a lot of hip hop producers have been leaning into film and television scores recently um thundercat wrote a track for the new star wars uh mm. film he did a, the score of the scene he's in for the new star wars show uh buck and boba fett fly lotus did the score for yusuke the netflix anime with lakeith stanfield that came out he also um, has his own film yep and then um ludwig uh you know gambino's producer just did tenet it's it's interesting to see how all these 
you know, people known as hip hop producers um, start are starting to move into this medium. And I think it's a really, really good thing because hip hop has always been part of the soundtracks, you know, mm. and <clears throat> seeing it move into the score is something that I really enjoy how it's blending on screen. Yeah, I think it kind of shows that you can't necessarily put hip hop in a box, mm -hmm. even though, you know, <laughs> obviously people have been doing that for in decades. Um, but yeah, I just think when you, you know, when you have an ability and you're versatile, I think you kind of can navigate a variety of different spaces. Like, and I think these artists are showing that like they, they're able to kind of blend their talent um, and also leverage their other interests, which, you know, includes, film as well mm -hmm. um do you agree with the I'm, I'm just i've been looking at uh articles about this short film you know to do the research on it to be prepared for this uh do you think that he's he says uh this review says it's not uh it's not a beat tape he says there's a single drum kick snare hi-hat or lyric on this album instead it's uh something created uh that's beatless and to take shrooms to <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a pretty, um, accurate yeah. description. Even though I don't take shrooms, I imagine <laughs> if you do, it would be a pretty cool soundtrack to trip to. Um, the video think, would probably be a little insane. Yeah, that's one thing I enjoy too. It's kind of, I feel like you're able to, it kind of brought you into the world, mm -hmm. felt kind of psychedelic in that way. Do you feel there was like any narrative structure to it or just kind of just loosely going off the songs or the, the produced beats? Yeah, I think there's a narrative. Um, also was interested to hear what you guys think too, since you're more of the movie buffs than me. But um, as far as the narrative, I think what I got from it is um, kind of like humanities, I guess. I don't know if you want to call it a quest or whatever, like they're, right their quest for discovery that's at least what i got from it yeah yeah i would agree with you on that there's definitely a lot of like space themed throughout and yeah also just like exploring and like human discovery like you said and instinct um there's definitely a lot of that and connecting with the earth right i also i i like the kind of sound collages throughout too like i think the quotes kind of helps you stay in the you know kind of stay immersed in this in the film mm -hmm. in a way like you know it's easy to kind of get out of it and um kind of just zone out because <laughs> it's a bunch of you know trippy images across the screen so it's easy to kind of forget what you're watching but i think the narration throughout kind of did a good job of keeping you grounded in a way so like i wrote down a couple of quotes let me find them yeah it was very um, hypnotic, I would think. Like, you almost in a trance while watching it. Exactly. Um, let me see. I have a couple quotes here. Oh, right, because there were samples throughout where there were quotes being said. Mm -hmm. Right. A couple of them that stood out to me. Um, so one of the quotes said, um, in order to have something to think about, there are simply times that you must stop thinking. And I resonated mm. with that a lot because right. you know 
on a data basis, on a daily basis, you're kind of inundated with a lot, like there's a lot of <laughs> pressures going on. You have, you know, work responsibilities. There's, you know, technology kind of keeps you, I don't know, you like you find ways to stay pro um, preoccupied. And sometimes it keeps you from kind of truly being grounded in the moment. And so you're, a lot of times you're in your head, but you don't kind of give yourself the opportunity to take a step back and actually observe what's going on. And so, yeah, that quote kind of was one of the ones that stood out to me. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I like, that's a great quote. Um, the whole exercise, I think of the, of setting an original score to a short film like this is pretty impressive, you know, in my opinion. And if he, if this is something that he's angling for to get more, you know, jobs working in film, whether it be short films or features, um, I think setting it over something like this, you know, being able to change sound with the moods as they're shown on screen is a really good way to get your foot in the door and showcase the talent he has for it because, He's clearly very giftedly, very gifted musically. And uh, I think if somebody gives him a shot, he would really kill uh, a role scoring a feature. Definitely. I think he kind of showed the range with this one. Like, mm -hmm. you know, with The Alchemist, like a lot of his, I mean, if I had to describe his style, it's kind of, I don't know, grimy, but sophisticated at the same time, <laughs> if that makes sense. Right. Um, I feel like he blends those two things together very well so i think if you you just think about the alchemist and like what kind of film you expect in the score be kind of like you you probably assume it would be something dark you know what i mean so i feel like him kind of venturing out a little bit and making something a little bit more trippy kind of you know like i said showed how diverse he is as a producer right i i very much appreciate this short film for what it is and for the music that he put behind it it's really a really solid piece of work um and super interesting to watch and just like i feel like it would be really like yeah i feel like i could zone off and just stare at it for <laughs> like an hour even though it's only a 15 minute short film yeah totally agree um all right do we have anything last thoughts on the alchemist fox do you want to drop any more alchemist knowledge for us man i just Hopefully this kind of, if people are on the fence about him and, you mm -hmm. know, hopefully this kind of encourages people to take a look at his work. Cause I think, you know, he's shown throughout his career that he can, you know, do a lot of different things that you can't just put him in one category. So I hope people are kind of listen to this and, you know, give his music a chance if they haven't already. Yeah, this would be a very interesting first listen for the alchemist this is the first oh, yeah. thing to experience from him um he's definitely one of the most versatile people in music and definitely in hip-hop that we have today and i think a bigger pedestal for him would be really, really a really really great thing because i can you, you can never get enough alchemists never. Sure. <laughs> um all right well if that's all we have i'm we're going to take a quick break and then we will move into our movie of the week Friday. Hey everybody, it's Bo here to tell you about our sponsor, Album Book Club. 
it is a book club, but, you know, for albums. And uh, they have weekly picks that they put out on their Twitter, at Album Book Club 1, and they uh, have curators that choose picks week by week. Uh, it can range from hip-hop to bluegrass to death metal to indie to pop it's all over the place uh it's a great way to discover new music i've been following them and working with them for quite some time they also put out their magazines on albumbookclub.com they just put out an issue with osar and paris price uh, they have great merch over there it's all great looking stuff um definitely check them out give the twitter a follow give the page um a look it's great stuff you're not going to be disappointed good way to discover music let's get back to the movie all right and we are back and we are going to talk about 1995's friday jacob do you want to tell us who's in it and what it's about sure so this film is called not thursday not saturday but friday <laughs> Um, Friday is about, um, Craig and Smokey who must come up with $200 that they owe the local bill bully, or there won't be a Saturday. Great description. Um, director by directed by F Gary Gray, uh, written by ice cube and DJ Pooh, um, starring ice cube himself, Chris Tucker, Neil Long, Tom Lister Jr. RIP passed away last year. Um, John Witherspoon, Anna Maria Horsford, Regina King, and Paula Jai Parker. Um, so when this movie came out, I think it was received, you know, just about as well as any comedy. And I don't think it was, it, it definitely wasn't as iconic as it is now. It's reached uh, a level of pop culture uh, knowledge and is in the pop culture lexicon in a way that I don't think anybody really uh could have guessed it would um but at the time it was drawing a lot of comparisons to uh movies like boys in the hood which is another ice cube movie so this washington post review was written by richard harrington uh in, in 1995 when it came out and he said in some ways ice cubes craig is the flip side of doughboy the character he played in john singleton searing boys in the hood both are trying to sidestep the pitfalls of growing up hard, but Craig's psychic load is much lighter. Um, this is something that has not aged well. <laughs> the guy says he's a homeboy in a fairly stable family surrounded by potential negatives, but not overwhelmed by them. His use of homeboy there reads a little weird. Um, but he says a lot of the film's action is the result of Smokey's talking him into sharing a joint. Uh and then one thing he points out is that Ice Cube in this movie is pretty much the straight man here. And it's almost like this is he, his character is entirely there for Chris Tucker to bounce off of, which is something that I saw and I think appreciated. Like Ice Cube is very funny in this movie, but all of his funny comes from reacting to Chris Tucker. I do think he was like the straight man throughout, but he also made himself the hero at the end too. Yes. So he did yes. give himself like a, a big moment, but I'm more so talking about like just, and this, I think this movie is thought of as a comedy before anything else. <clears throat> and that duo is so iconic. Like, you know, yeah. when you think about this movie, you think about 
Ice Cube and Chris Tucker on the porch, you know, damn, when <laughs> when Red lifts up the sunglasses to show the big ass black guy that Devo gave him, like it's the two of them together. And so as a comedic duo, they work so well because Ice Cube is pretty good at just playing this like grumpy guy that's just bothered by everything Debo does. Mm-hmm. Um, Fox, when was the first time you saw this movie? I think, well, I was definitely a teenager when I saw it for the first time. Um, I mean, <laughs> the younger kids won't know this, obviously, but I guess what are they, Zoomers or whatever they call them? They won't know this. <laughs> but um, back in the day, you could get, um, you kind of set up your DVD player. So, you know, cuss words and stuff will, you know, mm-hmm. you won't hear them kind of get right. filtered out. And so that was my first experience with the movie. Oh no, since um, <laughs> oh Friday censored. Oh man. It's like I mean I could still appreciate um a lot of what the movie was doing just because like you weren't getting the beep, you know, the beep noise each time, yeah. which would be ridiculously frustrating <laughs> if that was the case. Uh, I don't think I would want to watch that movie if that was no. the case. But um I think unfiltered, I was a little bit I was probably like high school, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I always appreciated it because, like, you know, there's, like, two guys who are pretty relatable. You know what I mean? Sometimes you can appreciate a character for what they are, but you can't, like, you know, see yourself in them. But, like, right. you get the – you kind of get the sense that anybody could be Craig or Smokey if they're – it really depends on where you're born. Right. Um, and so, you know, growing up, like, I'm sure everybody has that friend who's kind of a goofball. Like they're they're a great person to be around, but like sometimes they get themselves into trouble, like by accident, because just because they're so goofy. Right. Um, so yeah, there's different stuff like that, like kind of grounds the film, I think, and kind of makes them both relatable. Uh, Jacob, this was your first time seeing it. Was for this pod last night, the night before we recorded this. What were uh, some of your first impressions off of it? um yeah so it's my i remember seeing bits and pieces of it mm-hmm. um throughout just because this is such an iconic movie it, it just always pops up in even current pop culture um but this yeah it's my first time watching it all the way through um i gotta say it was quite the experience it was <laughs> this is an awesome movie um it was so like satisfying and awesome to see like that moment you just talking about Bo and they go damn yeah. and just like realizing like where the meme came from and the context behind it too um it was great to see and like the miss parker reference i was telling bo that like bo and i are big chance the rapper fans and he has a song called miss parker and i'm like oh that's why it's called miss parker it's where yeah. it comes from um yeah and just like there's so many funny moments like the bye felicia moment that was great too seeing where mm-hmm. that came from um there's just so many great moments and i didn't i thought this would have more plot going into it but I'm kind of glad that it didn't because I just loved them hanging out in the neighborhood and just seeing how like lively it was and different characters just coming and going and them just kind of bouncing off each other, Craig and and Smokey. Um, But yeah, overall it was, it was really funny and I think definitely still holds up today. Um, And yeah, just like an overall like great experience and a really fun film. Yeah. My first time seeing this, I think I was probably I don't know. It was probably early 20s, honestly. Well, I guess I'm still in my early 20s, probably a few years ago. And um, 
I was like Jacob, of course. I think I had part, caught parts of it, you know, on cable because it's one of those movies that people that will be on cable a lot or HBO will randomly have it and you're flipping through the channels and it just comes on definitely through the memes. It's you can't be on Twitter for 20 minutes without seeing damn you got knocked the fuck out like shit like that is all over the place. And um, I think I like Jacob finally being able to appreciate where all this, all the memes came from was something mm-hmm. that I really enjoyed. I watched this movie completely coincidentally at a time where I ended up just actually watching a bunch of movies like this, which are, pretty much just hangout movies stuff like days and confused everybody wants some american graffiti yeah very similar which i did not expect and those are some of my favorite kinds of movies it's one reason why i wanted to do the teen movie month and one reason why i count this even though these guys are probably in their early 20s i still count it as a teen movie because it's got that same spirit of two buddies hanging out on a day where they have nothing to do. And it's all, it's like a coming of age story. It's Mm -hmm. your main character is growing up and becoming who he's supposed to be the man he's supposed to be. And although it's a little bit later than we usually see a coming of age story, you know, he's 20 in his early twenties, not 15 when we usually see stuff like this, but this is him, Craig, like, you know, kind of taking charge and becoming a man and taking charge of his life. Um, which I think is a much deeper analysis than people usually give this movie. But that's that's something I've been doing lately is looking yeah. too deeply into these things. I will say this movie was like very straightforward and very surface layer and was right. not that deep. But I love that about it. I love that it was just super straightforward and very blatant the entire time because it just I feel like it just helped the movie and brought out the comedy more and just have less focus on the story. And that's what these movies are like Days and Confused doesn't really have a plot. It's about a a group of teenagers going to have a party at the moon tower. Like, you know, it's it's just it's you. It's supposed to make you feel like you're back in a a situation like this, hanging out with your buddies, which is what it's I mean, it's like Licorice Pizza is now. You know, that's a movie. It's just about kids hanging out in L.A. And this is also about kids, young adults hanging out in L.A., you know, Um, but. I think one, do they actually, do they ever say they're in LA? No, I don't think they ever mentioned like so. where they are or the neighborhood either. It, it's something that just dawned on me is I think that usually when people do that, it's, it's probably to give it the feel of like, this could be your neighborhood, right? Mm-hmm. That's probably intentional, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, so we did, uh, I, Chris Tucker and Ice Cube, and I think we have plenty of time to talk about them in, uh, later on the pod, but the supporting cast around here, particularly, I think, um, Debbie, you know, Neil Long, Tom Lister Jr., and John Witherspoon are so freaking good, and one of the ways that I, knew, I, wanted, I knew I wanted to talk about, one of the things I knew I wanted to talk about was John Witherspoon in this movie, because, yeah. and Jacob, I'm sure you'll understand this, I am currently an adult, young 20 early 20s man who still lives at home <laughs> still live with my parents and the feeling of going into the kitchen and your dad being like ah still here why are you always <laughs> eating the food is so just it's so real and it's so freaking funny it's so yeah. perfect just like not even that but just like it's definitely so super relatable but just his like the way he acts and his facial expressions <laughs> the, so the way he played this character was incredible as soon as he came on screen like i was just dying laughing the entire time why is like, he, he was like that 
<laughs> Dude, my, my favorite scene was <laughs> when he called um, Craig into the bathroom that that conversation while he's <laughs> taking a shit. <laughs> just the way he acts he gave a perfect performance while he was just sitting on that toilet being super serious and also while the ridiculous sound effects were happening in the background oh, too, yeah. of him pooping like super over the top it just made the scene so much more funnier and just his deadpan reaction the entire time and just oh he was incredible every moment he was in just like brought up the film um this movie has some of like the wittiest, most clever lines I've heard in a movie, but they are not above a poop joke. There's like <laughs> two or three. Yeah, like the, the farting too in this movie, like the sound effects they it's use. Insane. They, dude, Smokey takes a dump outside. <laughs> like that part of the movie, I'm always like, all right, what are what are we doing here? What are? <laughs> but it works. Rats them out. Yeah, the, the the um the what was that guy's name? I mean, clearly, like the supposed to be the neighborhood crackhead was obviously the joke they were going for there, even though they don't right. really say it. Um, that guy's hilarious in this movie too. Um, oh God, what's that character's? Ezal Anthony Johnson, a stand-up yeah, comedian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's hilarious, man. Um, what's he's 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 smoking. What's you do over there? He goes. i'll clean that up later for two dollars like bad jokes that one's probably aged poorly the homeless guy cleaning up the guy's dump but you know it's pretty funny it's just because that guy's what go ahead i was gonna say a personal story too oh Um, god yeah it kind of you took a dump outside (laughs) (laughs) definitely not it's just showing you like the impact of the movie in real life Mm -hmm. like you know the scene where um he, you know, his his pops calls Craig in. Oh, he has to come all the way in the house oh, to get him, like a cup of water, ice. Yeah. <laughs> My parents have done that before. Like I'd be in like the other part of the house, <laughs> and they call you in just to get them like something they could have easily got themselves. Just like kind of play oh, yeah. off the movie. Yeah, man. Like I'm, I remember being in high school and I'm upstairs doing homework, like studying, and there, oh. Come down here, take out the trash. I'm like, you fucking, you like throw something silently, like punch a pillow, and then you're like, all right, <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> oh, right. it's so it's so perfect. The way he, um, the way he <laughs> eats stuff in this movie, though, I've said it with the grapes. I just, I kind of watched half of it last night, and then watched half of it today. So it was a little fresh when he's talking to Smokey right before Smokey's like, all right, I got to use the bathroom. And he's like, is it number one and number two? And he's eating <laughs> the inside of the sandwich and doing that same thing with his thumb and like shoving it in the back of his throat. It's so absurd. It makes me laugh every single time. And it's just so great that he was so serious during all these scenes too. Like he just got a perfect performance. <laughs> I know. Um, yeah, they carried over pretty well into you know, his granddad, his granddad character in the boondocks, like he's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a really good actor, man. He, re- he is. Of, rest mm-hmm. in peace, man. Um, I didn't, re- I kind of didn't want to talk about the sequels because I don't necessarily like them a lot, but in next Friday, he's one of the best parts of it. Oh yeah. He, he's so, so funny in next Friday. Um, and then Tom Lister Jr. is Debo. Tom Lister Jr., is really good in everything he's in he's so funny in this movie just like kind of just being the big guy 
It's great. Yeah, and him also in- just having a super serious performance the entire time, too. I mean, he's intimidating as shit. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I was a kid, like, just seeing him come on screen, the music changes, <laughs> you're terrified just watching. Like, Oh, yeah. It's... Like, man, this guy's about to, they got to tuck their chains every time he comes around. (laughs) No, they take him off and hide him. Red tucks his. It's him, Red, being so defeated by Diva when he snatches the chain and Red just goes, my grandmother gave me that. (laughs) (laughs) And then he, Diva rides off and the way he runs, this doesn't work because it's an audio platform, but the way he runs off with his arms like dead limp crying. (laughs) And then Diva goes, or, no, sorry, Smokey goes, he's crying in that car. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so good. And then he gets his, his lights punched out by Debo. That's, a, that's <laughs> such a great character introduction is the flashback from Red's perspective, or I guess Smokey's perspective um, of a character we haven't even met yet. And like, it just immediately lets you know, like, yeah, he's just going to steal shit from you because he can like he can just take it i feel like too like i don't know it's kind of even though he's super serious too like sometimes you want to laugh because like he's this big guy and he's riding around his little bike <laughs> <laughs> that visual is amazing he really is just like the neighborhood bully it's true. yeah <laughs> except the thing is he's a grown man this is like when you boil it down this is like uh, it is a teen movie because they're all kind of acting like children. Yeah, it's really funny. They're all, now you say that, they're all young adults in this movie or grown men. And yeah, they're all acting like they're like 10 years old or 12 years old. Like he punches red and takes his bike. That's some <laughs> shit that you do with the day. Like that's what you do when you're a kid. Right. <laughs> he literally says like, can I have my bike back? He's like, it's my bike. And you're like, what? <laughs> We're adults. <laughs> it's so great. Oh, um, and then Nia Long has, I think, made a place in everyone's hearts. Um, I think this movie is one that uh, she's very known for. Just a perfect girl next door character here, you know, pretty Mm -hmm. innocent, but everybody's always talking about her. Um, And a great foil to the girlfriend Craig starts the movie with. Right. Yeah, no, she was a great character. Um, I also want to give a shout out because this was a great reveal and I had no idea he was in this is um, Tony Cox. Yeah. I was like when uh, the Miss Parker scene when Mr. Um, Parker, Mr. Parker. Yes. But when Miss Parker and <laughs> um, Bernie Mac. Yes. And the preacher. Uh, we're going at it. Yeah. And my favorite comedian. Yes. Yeah. He's the best. Sorry. Um, <laughs> I just want to re- acknowledge that's Bernie Mac. <laughs> yeah. And just the reveal of like Bernie Mac just running out and then Tony Cox is running after him. Just seeing that was just so funny. Um, also, I love at the end in the fight with Tony Cox, like randomly being on the street next to Devo. And he's like, like Diva or not Devo. Damn, I keep doing that. Smokey and Smokey's like, yeah, yeah, Craig did it. And then he looks, he goes, I hate this bugger. And then he just keeps going. It's so perfect. I also love Bernie Mac as the worst pastor ever. <laughs> he, he's like, y'all, uh, y'all shouldn't be doing those drugs. You know, uh, it's, it's not ha- in the Bible. It says this. And then he goes, let me get some. 
immediately flips. You're like, oh my God. Also immediately sees Miss Parker and goes to try to have sex with her. Before that, he asks if Craig's mom is home. Yeah. <laughs> what is he doing? Fake preacher. He pretty much is. And then uh, I love Miss Parker running out. We was just praying. We was just praying. <laughs> Oh my God, it's great! And then like the contempt that Regina King has for Miss Parker. Miss Parker's like, "Call me when you get home from work." She's like, "Okay." Like, <laughs> just all those dynamics are great. And then I want to talk about Big Worm for a second. Faison Love, Big oh, Worm man. is he's so funny in this movie. He really is. When he pulls up in the ice cream truck, like that is the last thing I was expecting was for it to be Big Worm. <laughs> Also, did you guys notice in that scene that towards the end when he was leaving, that it was sped up? There was parts that were like sped up during that part. And I was yeah, like, I don't know was if it was like, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, like get they sped it up like super fast for some reason. I don't know what it was, but it was definitely funny. Like it made the scene funnier just because it was sped up. But I didn't see a point in it either. Yeah, yeah he killed it. Um, is two hundred dollars enough to send like a, a, a double murder? Is two hundred dollars enough of like? It feels a little light for a double murder. Not double in 2022 homicide. money. Uh, well, in 1995 money is $200. Like people, a bunch of people were ready to loan them $200. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause like he almost, they almost got the money, but so many times. Uh, what's, what's her name? Uh, Felicia came and ruined it. Cause she's coming around. Yeah. Begging. Um, the, <laughs> the girlfriend who almost gave Craig the money um, when she walks up on Debbie walking out of the house and the look that Craig gives into the camera, just like his eyes rolled to the top of his head. Like (laughs) I've already had enough of this shit is so it's such great, like facial acting that girl. Sorry. Got it. You got it. (laughs) Yeah. It's uh. Yeah, it's honestly like it's pretty amazing what they're able to pull off, especially yeah, you know, going from being at the height of your career to transitioning to movies and co-writing. It's just amazing. His so his yeah, facial cues as an actor are really good. I think so. Ice Cube had done a few movies before this, uh, Boys in the Hood, like I had mentioned, um, and he had obviously been on camera before for like music videos, but I feel like this is the first one where he like he's the ma- he's the vehicle that makes this movie go well i guess you could say Smokey is but you is know, this he- his first writing job too or is he written before this oh that's a great question i'll check that right now um yes it is before that it was just three music videos that he had written friday is the first movie that he wrote mm-hmm. but he had done other uh bit parts in movies and then this uh, this is his he had been like Ice Cube in two other movies you know so this is I think his his first true um starring role I think leading role definitely his first leading role actually I was looking at it last night and he wasn't top billed in anything until this movie right and Chris Tucker was a well known stand up comedian and this was his first big acting role that shot him into superstardom. He got a three movie franchise, you know, off this and has been in a bunch of other pretty big movies. He was in Silver Linings Playbook. Um, mm-hmm. 
He's this movie kind of started his uh, run, I think, of doing Michael Jackson impersonations and different <laughs> bits because he does it for like three seconds when he's talking to that girl who says she looks like Janet Jackson on the phone and he doesn't do it anymore. But for a second, you're like, wait, that was pretty good. Michael Jackson, you just did there like <laughs> that. So one thing I think that has aged poorly and this even for the review I read earlier, this they pointed this out. A lot of the jokes about women aren't necessarily great. This is the the the, the women yeah. jokes I think aren't aren't flying in 2022 comedy. Yeah, there's definitely a couple moments where you <laughs> cringe a little bit just because of the context of the time. Yeah. Um yeah, I think overall the movie is aged pretty well, but like you said there's a couple of moments. Uh yeah. <laughs> some things you wouldn't get away with now, of course. Well, it's I think one of the reasons it's aged so well is because this was taken so much out of you know these people's lives this street they shot it on was the street the director f gary gray grew up on um you know ice cube wrote it obviously um and at this point chris tucker i think was just kind of being himself he was known for how much energy he brought to like stand-up comedies and he had been in movies before but just little bit parts and he was you know, I'm going to be on when I'm on the screen, I'm going to steal the show. I'm going to be this electric ball that everybody can bounce off of. And it, everybody's, I think, passion for it is one of the things that really made it work because you can tell in their performances that they really cared about it and wanted it to be a good product. Oh, yeah. um, all right. Do we want to do best quotes? Does everybody have a, a fa any favorite quotes or scenes? <laughs> There's so many of them, so I'm sure stuff's going to get left off. Um, I'll list a couple real quick just to start. Um, I already said red crying and running away. I think one of the things that makes me laugh the hardest is when Smokey is, like, mouthing words behind Debo when Debo's getting him to go break into the house with him. <laughs> and Debo will turn around, and he'll just be, like, looking off in the other direction. Or he, that one time he bumps into him, and then he hugs him, and he, like, pats him on the back and gets in front of him. <laughs> Um, and yeah, I feel I, like more than the quotes, just Chris Tucker's like facial expressions and his, performance was his, just off off the top. His mind, or sorry, I, I was getting already. I was reading something else. Um, his uh, body control is just yeah. insane in this movie. But the quote I was about to read is my absolute favorite quote in the movie. It makes me laugh so hard every time because Chris Tucker's delivery is perfect. Is I got mind control over Debo. He'd be like, "Shut the fuck up," and I'd be quiet. <laughs> but when he leave, I'd be talking again. <laughs> Classic. Crying, laughing. Um, my grandmother gave me that shade. Makes me laugh every time. Um, oh, and then also when he goes up to the ice cream truck to talk to Big Worm and he says, what's up, Big Perm? I mean, Big Worm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. What did I leave off? Anybody got any? Yeah, I got a couple. Um well, a couple scenes too, like Get one of my favorite scenes, like ever, <laughs> was when uh, Debo and uh, it's when Debo and Felicia are sleeping. And oh yeah, Smokey breaks in and is trying to get get two hundred dollars so they don't get gunned down later that night, and um, they're just trying to sneak in and be as quiet as possible. He he moves his underwear and there's like uh Debo's underwear there's like stains all oh, over the skin marks and when Felicia just falls off the bed casually <laughs> well, he pushes her off yeah 
<laughs> while he's sleeping. It's just insane. <laughs> and she doesn't wake up. Neither of them do. <laughs> and then he uses a straw. Uh, oh. He uses a straw <laughs> to get the underwear. And then Debo wakes up and takes a sip <laughs> from the Ooh. straw. He's like, oh, that's off. There's something wrong here. <laughs> the skin, like I said, not above a good poop joke. Yeah. That was just like such like a, a cartoonish scene, but it worked so well. It, Cause it helps because Chris Tucker can move like a cartoon character. Yeah. Like he and Jim Carrey are like two people that just move like cartoons in real life. Mm-hmm. All right. What else Comparison. you got, Fox? Uh, let me think. Oh, one of the <laughs> quote always kind of stood out to me too is like in the beginning of the movie with Big Worm and Smokey. <laughs> he's like mad. Uh, Big Worm's mad at Smokey. He's not selling selling any weed. And he's like, oh, you're not, you're not flying yourself. <laughs> it's just funny. Like he. Yeah, telling him he's not applying himself like he's in the classroom. <laughs> and uh, what else? Um, obviously, you you feel for them like when the drive-by is going on, they got to yeah. hide the truck. And uh, Smokey's sitting there like <laughs> praying, like hoping they don't come back. And um, he's just telling him, shut, he's trying to shut them up so he don't, they don't hear him. <laughs> Man, that um, not to derail this, but uh, the in the tone shift i think of the drive-by the fight kind of seems in place in the movie but the drive-by always kind of pulls me out of it for a second because for one they try and shift it into super serious but then when Smokey like grabs the gun from craig and turns around he's like yelling like jokes at him as he's shooting i'm like what are we going for here are we trying to make this serious or are we trying yeah. to make this another joke that's also the, the ridiculous only... like gunshots too they're just like spraying <laughs> bullets everywhere and not one hit <laughs> that's that's the only problem i think i have with the movie not even like the gunshots like i get that like it's gonna be a movie they're not gonna actually shoot them but it's just smoky making jokes while he's shooting back like i feel like they should have just had them run that's my only thing Especially, well, sorry, get it. No, no, I'm saying I, I get what you're saying. Sure. Yeah. Especially, I think, after it was weird to see Craig pull out the gun, especially because that came after the long talk that he and his dad had about, like, you know, you don't need that for protection. Like, put your hip, put your fists up. That's what makes you a man. And also, another note that I had that I wanted to point out that speech of, um, Craig Jones, like, or he, or Mr. Jones, this is what makes you a man. When I was growing up, this was all the protection we needed. You win some, you lose some, but you live, you live to fight another day. And you think you're a man with that gun in your hand, don't you? And then Craig, I'm a man without it. And then Mr. Jones put the gun down. Uh, has anybody sampled that or made it an interlude? Has that, that has to have been used in a song by now, right? I feel like it should be somewhere. <laughs> Um, especially like you think you're a man with a gun in the, with that gun in your hand don't you and then like Craig Jones I'm a man without it and then some shit just drops like I feel like that's a great like right like yeah or am I overthinking it <laughs> no I think that I gotta look into that Hopefully. Be, <laughs> has to have been done it's kind of an important scene too because yeah. just thinking about uh, kind of like the, the way gang culture evolved and everything like it started out like protecting the neighborhood and everything like that and kind of like guns have obviously gun uh gun violence has been huge and yeah, it just changed like things were different back then like people you know weren't afraid to just kind of scrap like and just you know <laughs> be cool like afterwards now it's right. definitely different um you got any more scenes or quotes 
Uh, for me? Yeah, you got it. Um, Anything left on the list? Oh, yeah, classic. Uh, when, like, multiple people ask Craig, like, how do you get fired in your day off? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's that, always a classic to me. <laughs> I've heard that referenced on a bunch of rap songs, for sure. How you get fired <laughs> on your day off, I've heard a bunch. And Red talking about talking shit to him about, like, we watched you on the security camera. And all this shit, like while he's got this massive black eye, is so funny to me. <laughs> all right, Jacob, what you got? First time uh, viewer, what stuck out to you? I don't know. You got you guys kind of listed them all. It was more just like moments more than quotes because the whole mm-hmm. movie was funny. Like everything's quotable in this movie. Um, but yeah, there's like a lot of the iconic scenes were just great. Just seeing him for the first time in context that I already mentioned, so I won't mention them again. But yeah, just the whole movie. Um, also, something I want to mention is I thought the cinematography was kind of like really well done in this. Yeah, um, it, it wasn't in, it wasn't in your face, but it, it was very I don't know. It was composed really well. Like, I love the bicycle shot where you like see through the wheel and you had like all the characters um, through the wheel. Like it tells like a, a small story. Um, all the top down shots were great when the characters like looking down at the camera um, a lot, especially the Chris Tucker ones because of his facial expressions. Um, but yeah, overall, this, this movie was shot like really well and it really gave that like homey feel to it. Um, I have a couple more quotes I'm going to hit real quick. Um, and then uh, we can move on to my last thing. Uh, all right. Oh, crap. I lost them. You made me lost them. Okay. Uh, shit. Okay. Smokies. Uh, when they're trying to make Kool-Aid and Smokey goes, no sugar. Damn. Y'all ain't never got two things that match. Either y'all got Kool-Aid, no sugar. Peanut butter, no jelly. Ham, no burger. Like... <laughs> <laughs> Um, I already hit what up, big perm. I mean, big worm. Uh, and then I love when they're playing. What are they? What are they playing? Are they playing? They're shooting dice over uh in the flashback, you know. And Smokey goes, "I won. Give me my money." And Debo goes, "What money?" And Smokey just goes, "I lost." (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love smoke. Buy me a forty ounce for my birthday. And then Smokey goes, "Today's your birthday." And he goes, "What's today?" Like, um, you know, this man, you know, that's never going to go away. That's an iconic one. There's so, uh, so many good ones from Smokey. Uh, the story about him smoking (laughs) the laced weed with Hector, and then it ends with him in the pigeon coop and Devo's (laughs) pigeon coop. And he's acting like a pigeon is so goddamn funny when he starts like ducking his head like one it's perfect and then um another something that i have seen on twitter a bunch actually and this kind of leads into our uh the last thing i really want to hit here um is when the fight's going on and the and craig's mom is holding the gun and she's getting pissed off about debo choking out craig and (laughs) debo just goes shoot him like with his teeth gritted and just a shoot him it makes me laugh so fucking hard um it's great man uh so the last thing i wanted to bring up i know debo's a lot bigger than him but craig using a plank of wood and throwing a brick dirty fight move oh mm. usually i'd say it is but given the fact that he slapped a woman yeah i feel like all bets were off in that moment right because he wasn't fighting fair you know I thought the exact same thing. Cause as soon as I saw him pick up that brick, I was like, Ooh, what are you doing here? Yeah. Like, I don't know if a brick's allowed here, but yeah, I think the, in the circumstance, he did have the right to do that. The first viewing I was like, yeah, 
get his ass, fuck him up, like throw that brick at him. Like I, the the more I watch it, I'm like, mm, all right, you know. I mean, he did what had to be done, but yeah, just yeah, not the best move. We need but to check. Yeah. We need it. We need a score count. We need a score count. I think like a boxing <laughs> match. We need a score count. Um, the fight. The the. I will say one thing I really do love about this movie is when he, this is the, I think the only time the gun should have been pointed at somebody was this scene. Cause I love the flash of like, you know, him imagining shooting the gun and then he hears his dad's words and the whole day rewinds and he sees everything. And it's mm -hmm. him thinking about who he wants to be like in that moment, it really is. And what kind of person he's going to be. And uh, you know, he decides to put it down and he's going to listen to his dad and be what his dad says is a man. And uh, Jacob, I think that's actually the inspiration for the ending of the green Knight. I guess so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the more um, themes, but no, I really do love that whole, uh, I love the little, what if bit we get right there into the fight. Also, uh, I, it was interesting. The uh, fourth wall breaks they do towards the end. Chris mm -hmm, Tucker has one and um, ice cube has one. Right. The ice cube one coming uh, when the girl when the girlfriend shows up and Debbie's walking out and he just looks into the camera. Chris yeah. Tucker's one is really funny, too. Um, also, you know, you got knocked the fuck out. There's always a great one right at the end of that fight. <laughs> and also uh, the freeze frame at the end was great, too. Yes. Classic freeze frame. But, uh, you know, uh, that that fight when he is kind of him it's the coming of age moment of the coming of age movie that's when things kind of start to go right for him you know he breaks up with the girlfriend he gets a date with debbie um smokey got his money back they're gonna they're settled with big worm you know it's all good like everything worked out they're going on to saturday i like how the movie flips to midnight saturday's over and then the movie ends yeah i thought it was a perfect ending for sure I'm glad it all stayed within Friday. Yes. I think it made the most sense. I think it goes to 12.01 on Saturday with Smokies. <laughs> Man, I'm going to rehab. <laughs> I'll just bullshit. <laughs> oh, it's so great. I think it uh, is definitely high up there in my pantheon of, you know, hangout coming of age movies. It's sure, I mean, like, definitely rewatchable. Like, I'm definitely going to watch this again. And it's quotable. It's, it's right up there with like Days and Confused for me which is one of the best of all time. Like it's, I love when you make a movie like this, I think it, it has to be something that feels like you go out with your friends and you decide you're going to make a movie about what life is like for you. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, very relatable. Very funny. Um, it's a great overall movie and you can just see its influence in movies today. In everything today. Mm -hmm. um, Even like the movie we just talked about super bad. Definitely right. took some influence in this. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Fox, you got any final thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you guys. Like, definitely. If it's not number one, it's definitely, it's probably one number one in terms of this category um, for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, Breakfast Club, obviously, is one of the great coming-of-age stories. Right. I think I would kind of put it i mean even though they're different movies like the context is different i think they're kind of the ones that kind of stand apart for me right i i agree like breakfast club is i think 
my probably big three of the standards of a coming of age um, hangout movie is Days of Confused Breakfast Club Friday are all three at the top of that pillar for me. Mm. Um, maybe uh, American Graffiti because that kind of started it. Um, but yeah, man, and it's just like we talked about at the beginning. It all comes down to <clears throat> the relatability of it all and mm. feeling like this could be your hometown, your neighborhood, your street. It's, it's a very impressive uh, first written film from Ice Cube. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially coming off the run he had, like NWA work and right three solo albums or hits, and you know he was at the height of his career and you right. know was able to do this. So it's very impressive. Right, it's a it's a very I think bold stance to go from like a public persona that comes along with being a rap star, NWA solo stuff. Um, and then doing a movie like boys in the hood, I think even that kind of fits in a little bit more, but to completely switch up and go into a comedy is like a big, especially one that he wrote is a big, you know, step out of line from what people were used to from him, which it worked out as a genius move to be able to show his versatility. And now we get great comedies from him, like 21 jump street. (laughs) (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) It's great. It's great. Um, I'm glad it's I'm glad Ice Cube put this movie together, man. I don't know. I, things would be a lot different without it. Movies yeah, a lot less memes, a lot less gifts, <laughs> a lot less one liners. Yep. Movies yeah. rock. Anybody got any last thoughts before we wrap up here? I mean, I just appreciate you guys having me on, man. It's cool chopping it up with you guys. Um, Fox, yeah, it's great to have you. Fox, do you want to tell people what you've put out recently where they can find your writing? Yeah, you can find me on Medium, uh, Trey Fox, and find me on Twitter on T Alexander Fox. You can also find me on AlbumBookClubMagazine.com. Yes, sir. So those are three major, you know, platforms you can find my work. Yep, you got great writing, uh, great music in- input from this guy right here. Um, you definitely want to be following him for music news on Twitter, and good uh takes and input uh jacob you got anything left before i get to what we're doing next week i do not let's go ahead all right uh next week i think we're gonna do our young adult fiction dystopian series i have not fully decided what the movies will be for that i'm sure we're gonna get the hunger games on there which fuck that movie but moving on um we'll get four movies out probably up on sunday uh This pod is coming out to y'all Thursday, but uh, until the next time we see y'all, we hope you have a great Friday and rest of your weekend. (laughs) Thank y'all for joining me. Peace.